Hey everybody, what's going on? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Real Sports presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Cart podcast feed. Emily and I are back to cover the documentary you've all been talking about, the first two episodes of The Last Dance, the documentary covering the 97-98 Bulls and Michael Jordan's career in its entirety. The first two episodes were incredible. We're here to break it down. We go through everything, some fun facts. This one was a lot of fun to record. We cannot wait to hear what you guys think. We answer some fan questions as well. But as always, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart wherever you get your podcast. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Mash that subscribe button. Leave a nice five-star review. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. Follow us on Twitter. ThunderBLG is the Thunderblogs Instagram handle. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. Search the Bullpen Cart Podcast on Facebook and be a part of the conversation. But enjoy this episode, guys. Sunday cannot come soon enough. But here we go. Welcome to this episode of Real Sports, presented by ThunderBlogSports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. Joining me, as always, is my wonderful fiance. I was about to call you the legend, but you were yawning at that, so it seems like a boring <laughs> title to you. It is Emily Anderson. How are you? I'm good. I was wondering like, if you would... like draw out the introduction so that I could finish my yawn and how you would do that. From the University of (laughs) Delaware! (laughs) Just like the introductions from the very end of episode one of the documentary series we are starting to cover, 6.2 million viewers saw it on Sunday night. The most of any ESPN original series. It is The Last Dance. We're covering episodes one and two, which premiered last Sunday. Three and four coming up this Sunday, the 97-98 Chicago Bulls. And Emily, what did you think? I thought it was great. We had like been looking forward to it for the whole week. We were talking to friends earlier and we were like, we we have plans at nine. And they were like, what are your plans? Thinking like, oh, we had another Zoom call. or no, We are like, no, we need to watch the Jordan doc and we need to watch it live. And we need to be on Twitter during it. And it was like an event. Was it you that showed me... Michael Jordan's the only person to get you to watch commercials in 2020. Yeah, there, no, I, there was a tweet. Yeah. I don't know who it was, but I thought it was funny. <laughs> it was incredible. And the documentary itself, episode one, fantastic. Episode two dives into Pippin, a little more of the building of the Bulls. And I think, at least from what I've heard about how the other episodes go, I mainly I'm taking this a lot from Bill Simmons' podcast because he's seen the first nine. Apparently the tenth one is still being done. But it apparently kind of inches its way to going fully through the the 97, 98 year as well as through Jordan's career. So we'll see a lot of the 91, or not enough in Bill's opinion, but some of the 91 championship is first title and all this. The first one mainly dives into Jordan. The second one mainly into Pippen. and talks a lot about the buildup going into the season and then a little bit of the start of that season is where we leave off the end of episode two. But let's start with episode one. Because it gives the background to this documentary series, which if you are one of the people that did not watch it, Matt, who who I don't think still, he might have at this point. As of Monday night when we recorded the NFL Draft podcast, he had not. I have to say, if you watch it on demand, at least if you have Comcast, there's there's not commercials. That's awesome. You can just watch it. Do you get the the vault stuff? Yeah, you get the vault stuff. Oh, that's cool. And like the common thing, like that's all in there. Yeah. Um, But no Do we think that story's true? Yeah, why not? All right. For those that didn't want watch this, this is... I forget that this might be an episode two, but Common said he was a ball boy for the Bulls, which I think is actually true. But he said that he went to go get Michael Jordan's autograph for a fan, and MJ said, nah, you do it, and he spelled Michael wrong. Well, it was for, like, a kid at school was like, hey, you're the ball boy, can you get me his autograph? And Uh, Common was like, yeah, for five bucks. And so he, like, took it to Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan was like, you do it. And then the kid was like, you spelled Michael wrong, you had to give the five bucks back. Yeah, yeah, all right. But anyway, so that's episode two. Episode one, 
leads off explaining about how the NBA wanted to follow the team around and Michael Jordan and the Bulls let the NBA do this and the turmoil that led into the 1998 season. And that's where, really where this all begins. And intermittent with, throughout also comes the backstory of MJ, but it really starts with a turmoil and starts with what would normally be the two-thirds mark of a movie right at the beginning, which I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, they show, they like talk about how they got unprecedented access and there's some really interesting stories about how they like got this access and why it's finally being released now. But um, yeah, that's where it starts, you know, them going to the center. My One of my favorite things is the fact that it's like 10 minutes into the movie or the show. Is it a movie show? What are we calling it? It's a film. Film. Event. Yeah. Series event. Um, Jordan pulls up in his, I don't know, cars, Porsche, something expensive. Yeah. And he just parks it in the middle of the parking lot. Like, there are clear lines, and he just parks it and gets out. And I'm yeah, like, that's pretty great. I'm like, there's definitely a guy whose job it is to, like, put his car in a parking spot, and he just leaves it where he wants. And it's not just, like, the people at the mall who park their car at the end of the row no. of cars or up against a curb it's where, like, the, the trees are, you know, the median. No, it's just in the middle and on an angle, too. Yeah, so he's like, just, this is good. Yeah, just this is good. It's kind of like, what are you guys doing here? And then he just like says like hi and goes in about hey, his day. Hey, how you doing? Like, how you doing? Yeah. I don't park my car. <laughs> and it's not like there's like a valet or like other people don't park their car, but it's just like it's Michael. Like, yeah, just do what he wants. I wonder uh, if now like this. Well, I don't think Embiid has a card. I'm sure Ben Simmons has something sweet. Somebody just parks it for him. Like they have valet now. I'm sure. Well, the Sixers might be a bad might be a bad example considering what we're learning about their finance. How. Uh, they financially like to spend their money or lack of. What? The Sixers being cheap and not wanting to pay people. Oh, that's an old story. Well, there, there was more. There's more stuff. There's more cuts. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we kind of go into the background of Michael Jordan, how he had an older brother who would pick on him a ton. And you hear this a lot about athletes that are the younger brother, that they end up surpassing their older brother or younger sister surpassing their older older sister or vice versa mixed genders it's not really anything you know any gender exclusive the young if the younger sibling was athletic and the older sibling was taller was better was faster it almost motivates the the younger one to surpass and michael jordan's no exception um it also talks about the you know the story you've heard a ton of time what is his brother not older than him no you're right okay um, i'm just looking at our, our outline in that you capitalized all of the times i wrote scotty with a lowercase s grammarly is a great app no free ads but it's a great app um it just made me laugh anyway it you get the background of the story that every every parent has probably told their kid i'm sure your parents told me my parents told me when i got cut from a team michael jordan got cut from his high school basketball team we learn about that apparently his coach went on the record of saying that he was just too short to play varsity basketball. Uh, and they do talk about that he grew seven inches to 6'6", six, six, but he said 5'11", too short for my varsity team. No no dice. I never got caught from a team. Wow, all right. Skipped a grade. <laughs> skipped a grade, never got cut from a team. No, I mostly knew if I wasn't going to make it. Like, if I, I played JV softball, but I wasn't good enough to play varsity, so mm. I just stopped playing after sophomore year. Uh, oh, you, like, couldn't play JV through your senior year? Mm-mm. Oh, Wow. Fear of failure more than anything. Wow. Than not being cut. Oh, must be nice. Anyway, um, so you hear that story, you hear the background. Then we get a little bit of Michael Jordan grows seven inches, goes six six, becomes this high school perennial all state player. It was like that, but it also didn't seem like he wasn't, you know, to the one comparison. He wasn't LeBron on the cover of Sports Illustrated. No. Like, um, they were just That's why I said all state. Yeah, like they were like. I a, think it also was a different time too. It was true. Late, it was the late seventies. Like at UNC, they were like, it was not the late, like the mid eighties when it been. No, he. So he. So I think he graduated from high. He's ninety uh, eighty four draft. Oh yeah. So he would have been eighty two. Is his so late late seventies nineteen eighty eighty one. Yeah. So I guess nineteen eight the eight seventy nine eighty season is his junior year. Yeah. But regardless. You're right. It was both Dean Smith in archive footage since Dean Smith died a few years ago, and Roy Williams in an, in an interview yeah. 
talking about Michael Jordan. They're like, we've heard, we'd heard about him. We yeah. like, we're like, bring him to camp, and then he's, you know. Well, his assistant coach called up Roy yeah. Williams, who was an assistant coach then, and said, "Hey, we got this guy that you should check out." And they and he and Roy Williams says, "We didn't know who the hell. We kind of knew who he was. Yeah, and you could barely pick him out the first day. And by the end of the week, we we're like." We need this guy. He said, this is the best basketball player in America. Yeah. I was like, I rewatched this again today, so, like, the quotes are a little fresh. That's that's great. <laughs> I paraphrase a lot, as I'm sure you know. Um, but, yeah, so he, you know, ends up going to UNC, ends up, we talked about it a little bit in Requiem for the Big East, ends up making the game-winning shot, and we get a lot more of it than we did in the Big East doc. Yeah. Because it's because it's an ACC team winning. But he makes a shot over Patrick Ewing, ends up being a big part of the steal after he makes the shot to seal the deal for UNC to win national championship his freshman year. Um, and they get Patrick Ewing. He He's in the there in an interview, and he's in all of his Georgetown gear because he's the head coach of Georgetown now, and I was so, like, taken aback because I think it's such a testament to, like, Michael Jordan's legacy that Patrick Ewing is sitting in, like, some type of Georgetown, his office, I don't know, in a Georgetown polo talking about this game, and the Georgetown polo is Jordan brand. Like, there's a giant Michael Jordan on this Georgetown polo. So it's just, like, it was, like, is irony the right term? I don't know. It it is ironic that he's talking about it. Yeah. Like, just, I don't know. It was impressive. It's pretty incredible to that aspect. Like this brand that he has. That this brand that ultimately ends up becoming so huge that his rival, not just in college, but professionally. Do you think they'll have a whole episode on it? What, on Jordan brand? Like Jordan and Nike? I feel like they've got to dedicate a decent amount of time to it. I feel like it's a big part of his, like, legacy. So we're going to do predictions at the end, but, but to answer your question, I don't know if it's a whole episode that they'll probably do. Because it'll probably, it may be a topic that they go back and forth on. Because we mentioned it, the first one's mainly about Jordan. A good amount about Jerry Krause mm-hmm. and, about, and that whole relationship. Because it goes into, at least bringing back Phil. Bringing back Scotty is part of episode two and I think becomes part of episode three. But maybe some of it comes in there of, you know, I'm sure we'll get Be Like Mike will probably pl- get played. The commercial, for those that don't know about it. Um, so I'm, I'm sure, like, the the cultural legacy of Michael Jordan will, will pro, might that might be the full topic and Nike is the you know the bulk of the conversation because of that because Michigan football wears the Jordan brand not Nike the Jordan yeah. brand on their jerseys as does Georgetown as you're mentioning with with Patrick Ewing and it is it, it, you know I you, know, you and I were just there at the tail end I vaguely remember from now what I'm now realizing was the fifth champion or the fourth championship against the Supersonics I remember Gimme 5, my Uncle Steve get, sending us the Gimme 5 hats during the first Jazz series. And then I do remember the 98 series and how great that was, what this doc will ultimately cover at the end. But the, even at that point, it was a complete tidal wave. Space Jam had come out. And we're you know sidetracking from the chronological order of events here, but just that aspect of significance. And, he, and Patrick Ewing is a part of this, of... He was this huge name towards the, you know, at this point with the Knicks and everything, and that's where basketball was, was this big rivalry. I remember my grandparents got me a book that was, you got, it was one of those books that you're, they put a picture of you and your face was, you know, yes. up. Um, and it was like you as the Bulls star, and the Knicks were the rivals. So, like, it is very ironic that Patrick Ewing is shown you know, bending the knee to, to use Game of Thrones references to, you know, to the Jordan brand. Yeah, it is. I was just Googling Jordan brand to see what schools were under it. Can you name the four? Michigan. Well, this is like college football. Can you name the four college football schools? Michigan. Mm-hmm. UNC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know the other two. Oklahoma and Florida. Oh, wow. So like big schools. Yeah. Would not, I would not have guessed. I probably should have known Oklahoma just from all the different – between Kyler Murray and then this past year with Jalen Hurts and the amount of times like I've watched them on TV, I should have realized that. But maybe not Florida. That's pretty awesome. Um, a lot of conference exposure too. And then it's like a lot of like the college basketball teams are like the teams who has a major athlete that went there that yeah. is a Jordan Brain athlete. So like Marquette 
is Jordan Brand, but Jimmy Butler is Jordan Brand. So sure. Like, Blake Griffin and Oklahoma. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. Um, but more more college stuff that they show. They show a lot of Dean Smith archive footage, which I yeah. thought was really cool. And I know I mentioned that before. But they continue to pass this freshman year. I think they could have easily just shown that, said, all right, the next two years he's National Player of the Year for sophomore and junior year. He gets the Naismith Award in the junior year. And then he goes to the draft. But they show a lot of his of his time in college. They show the letter to his mother that I know you loved. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about it later. Okay. All right. You'll talk about it <laughs> later. Um, but they show him walking around campus. They show him talking to the student body at their – it must have been the tail end of the parade after the national championship saying, I want to be here for three years. Whether or not we get another or two or three more championships. And – you know, we talked about it last week with Coach Cal, how it almost was, it would it almost would have been crazy for Jordan to stick around for his senior year, and Dean Smith even helps him to get to that point to to move along. And the rest of the highlights are incredible to see. Like yeah. they show him, you think a lot of like the Duke UNC rivalry and everything, and you know Gerald Henderson punching Tyler Hainsborough, at least from you know in my high school days of remembering that or. Christian Leitner days or those late '90s, early 2000s teams. JJ Redick, but you, you, it's funny because of the the. This is all about the. You know, this ultimately is about the Bulls, but you forget Michael Jordan's a part of the, one of the greatest basketball rivalries too. And watching him kind of beat, just beat up around Duke and yeah. in, in Cameron Indoor Stadium, just kind of bullying through these teams in the early days of his airness was pretty cool. To yeah, see. it's crazy because you think of Michael Jordan, you think of the Bulls. And, like, I don't know how many people go that quickly to the association at UNC and think that this man played college basketball for three years. Yeah. And, like, there's crazy college basketball highlights from him, too. Like, not just Bulls highlights. Yeah. I did think it was interesting, because we'll talk about his rookie year and how they showed the A Star is Born cover. Mm-hmm. There was a cover from him winning the national championship that I thought it was interesting they didn't show. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's incredible. And to your point of you think of stars and where they went to college. Like, Tom Brady went to Michigan. Granted, got drafted very late, mm-hmm. 199. Um, but a lot of the big names that weren't the LeBrons, the Zions, the you know, insert consensus number one that went to a huge name school or the plethora of guys we talked about last week that went to Kentucky. Like, Randy, Wa- Randy Moss, not Randy Wass, Randy Moss went to Missouri Valley State. You know, Joe Montana went to went to Notre Dame. So it's kind of this give and take of big names. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Of like, and you kind of, because of how incredible his pro career was, you almost forget that Jordan went to one of the best basketball programs in the country. Yeah. But they show the 84 draft. And did you, where did you come in? knowing about the 84 draft when we went through this? Because your reactions to it were something. I don't know. I knew he went third. You didn't. Well, you didn't know about Sam Bowie. No, I, I'd read about it, but it's okay. not, like, something that I can just, like, pull off the top of my head like okay. you can. Because you were like, name who went second. I was like, I don't know. Sam Bowie is widely regarded as the worst, is, like, one of the worst draft picks ever. No, I know that. Yeah. But I couldn't, like, pull his name out of a hat. And. My head. The the fun fact around it, which is just freezing cold take of the millennium, is the Blazers GM Stu Inman originally contended that it was that originally was thought that they wanted a center. It's why Hakeem went first to the Rockets. Mm-hmm. Um, but Inman Inman contends that it wasn't a matter of drafting a center. It was just more of a matter of drafting Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan. Because the Blazers had Clyde Drexler, a guard who was with similar skills to Michael Jordan. Yeah. What? I mean, I don't know. Is that a cold... I mean, is that a freezing cold take? I mean, saying that you wanted to draft Sam Bowie over Michael Jordan is a cold take, but not saying that, like, you already had a player that had similar skills. Like, Clyde Drexler is not, like, a career He's to, a Hall like, of Famer. To, like, scoff at. Sure, he's a Hall of Famer. You know. But still... I mean, Drexler and Jordan. I mean, fine. Would have been, would have been great, and especially because well, yeah. Michael Jordan ends up playing more of the three later in his career. Like he probably could have accelerated into that, and maybe that's just being 
NBA fans of the twenty of you know the two thousand tens and twenties where positionless position basketball. yeah positionless basketball is so so much in my forefront yeah but no I get that you know, I'm if, just I'm just saying let's if not Jordan was doing it poo poo Drexler's career and okay. saying like that's the same thing with like I'm not poo pooing Drexler's career whoa 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 well that's what I thought you were saying when you were like no I'm poo pooing Inman saying we don't need Jordan because we have Drexler especially thinking in this right in today's NBA no. thought of collecting stars yes. is so important of like thinking this guy that just won national player of the year and you don't want him is nuts right okay and we're giving this guy all this shit that should be focused at uh jerry Krause. uh i almost said reinsdorf the owner but goes to the bulls reinsdorf's the owner also the owner of the white Sox. uh it was not Krause that drafts jordan but takes over a year later mm-hmm. in 1985 they talked a little bit about his rookie year um, and how he just came onto the scene right away. We talked about the Stars Born cover. Well, he was already very popular because yes. the draft, they were lucky, they say that they were lucky that the draft happens before the Olympics because the U.S. basketball team had like one gold in the Olympics and Michael Jordan was the star and he became like a very popular basketball player because of his Olympic run. So if you think that those events had been flip flopped, then maybe, you know. The Trailblazers are like, oh, maybe we can make this work. Or like, yeah, that's a really good know? point. Um, so the Bulls say, like, we're lucky that that happened. And so, like, going into the season, there was already all this hype because people had watched him play. Because, like, you know, college basketball wasn't as widely nearly, available. Nearly but the, everyone watched the Olympics. Yeah. No, that's a really good point, too, because in today's day and age, with what the tournament, what the tournament is, that it's, you know, it would have been a no-brainer to take him, I, you know, I don't know a ton about Sam Bowie's career, you know, for as much as I just shit on him. Mainly injuries is why he ends up being <coughs> bust, similar to, like, a Greg Oden type. But, um, I mean, like, that was a huge red flag on not drafting Ben Simmons or not drafting Markel Fultz because these guys seemed like they were consensus number one picks, but they weren't in the tournament. And it was like, oh, we didn't see this guy play even the first weekend of the tournament. Why should he be a number one overall pick? So that's a really good point to point to show what like if this guy gets a ton of national exposure, how does it work out? Yeah, but he gets drafted. He gets drafted, Third. comes onto the scene very quickly. We mentioned the stars born Sports Illustrated cover in December. This guy becomes just a complete phenomenon, and they show they didn't necessarily show the numbers of of attendance, but they showed the Chicago stadium and how barren it was in his first couple games to how packed it got Mm -hmm. throughout his rookie year and more and more so. And and this is when they bring in former Chicago resident, Barack Obama. Yes. uh, That's all he ever was known for to talk about how he couldn't, you know, he even, he couldn't afford anything in, in, in the stadium. And I think the implication of him saying that was, Beginning of the season, I could have sat behind the bench and yelled at the coach if I wanted to. And by the end of the season, you know, no thanks. I can't get in at all. Yeah. Um, you know, so thank you for that Chicago resident for putting in his opinion. <laughs> um, but I, I thought this was really interesting, too. They show Isaiah Thomas in the documentary. And there was such a... He was such a fan favorite, Michael Jordan was. That by the time the All-Star game rolled around, Michael Jordan got voted in as a starter. And a number of veteran players, led by Isaiah Thomas, were upset about the amount of attention that he was receiving. So they froze him out and refused to pass the ball to him during the All-Star game. Which, I, you know, I think if this was a full story, instead of going back and forth between 97-98... And the history of this team. I feel like if this was like OJ, this would have been a huge part of this. They would have probably pressed Isaiah Thomas and other guys that were there. But I thought that was really interesting that, that it wasn't shown there. The Bulls ended up making the playoffs. Gets uh, They lose in four games. I almost said get swept. I forgot it was best of five back in the day. Really up until like 2001, I think, is when they changed it. Um, to the Bucks. Uh, so Michael Jordan ends up winning Rookie of the Year. And... I'm not sure if it's episode... I think it's still in episode one. They show the second season, right? The injury the injury cut season? Uh, 
No, I think it's two. All right, so we'll, you know, for the rest of one, they talk, they really dive into, we mentioned it, Jerry Krause and his relationship with the team. And we mentioned he ends up taking over as GM in the, at the end of the 84-85 season. Um, and sadly, Jerry Krause passed away a couple years ago. And It would have been really interesting to get his, like, perspective, like, mm-hmm. this many years removed from everything. I, I think, think so, yeah. I felt really bad for him, to be honest. Yeah, he really gets vilified, especially by the fact of how much they show in this episode, and especially in two, of how much Jordan and the rest of the team, two focuses on Pippen really hating him, but how much they all grew to hate this guy. Um, And, yeah, they kind of talk about how he has this Napoleonic complex. He was a scout for the White Sox and how Reinsdorf... It's like he, he approaches him and is like, hey, you know, I want to be GM of the Bulls. And he's kind of like, yeah, sure, why not? And uh, it's worth noting, and we'll talk about it in two, that, that Krause ends up making a lot of moves. But I think he didn't like – we talked about the last week with Cal that he was at the table but wasn't necessarily welcome at the table. Yeah, Ryan Storff has this quote that I just found really, like, sad. Well, he's saying how there's and there's a ton of media people are saying that like he was the nicest, sweetest man like that you'll ever meet. And Ryan Reinsdorf or Krause, Krause, yeah. And Reinsdorf says like he would love people who just like didn't love him back. Yeah, so like yeah, he yeah. would like devote this like stuff to Michael, and Michael would be like, "There's like a clip of him being like, oh, are those uh, your stay short pills or your diet pills?' Like, don't be a dick. That that was just kind of the stuff that Michael Jordan threw out to people. I mean, I know it's still yeah. It's still a dick comment. Um, But still, you know, uh, so they they show a lot about it. But it really comes to, I mean, coming back now and entering the 97-98 year. They've just won their fifth title. And a week after, they try to trade Scottie Pippen, which they talk a lot more about Mm -hmm. him, too. And Phil Phil Jackson's contract is out. And Reinsdorf doubles down on this, too, which I thought. And we get some, some more kind of eyebrow-raising comments from Ryan, from Reinsdorf in, in episode two, but talks about how, you know, Phil wouldn't have been where he was if Kraus hadn't brought him in as an assistant coach. And, you know, it basically, like, there's this power struggle between the two of them, and the one that really that really seals the deal is Kraus's stepdaughter's getting married and everyone in the Bulls organization, except for Phil... Yeah. Plus delighted. the guy that he's grooming to be the next coach who takes over in ninety-eight, ninety-nine, go to the wedding, but Phil's not invited. Um, but, you know, Reinsdorf doubles down on this of saying, like, oh, yeah, you wouldn't be there without him. Guy just won, won five championships, and all you want to do is be like, yeah, here's your sixth title. Or, like, here's your here's your $6 million a year. Go win us the sixth title and see ya. Yeah, he says, like, he just called him and was like, or I don't know if he called him, but or so, I forget what the exact like terms of the conversation was but he was like by there's no way you're getting another year after this like this is it you're done after this yeah it's funny like wanted him gone it's funny and this is where this is one of the the big moments of where Krauss being alive would have a third perspective because they show reinsdorf being like almost acting like oh they oh they cleared out their you know cleared out cleared their differences and now they're friends you know they're friends for one more year and phil's like he placed a contract in front of me Said this, you know, you're getting one year, you're done after this, and I said fine, and no more than ten words were said between us. Yeah, and like you get this real disconnect, and you got to take Phil's side on this because Phil then ends up going to win a, to win a third three peat in L.A. Like he's in, he's really hurting for championships. <laughs> well, he's I mean, say what you will, if we gave you a shot, and no one would have known Phil Jackson without us, but. The guy stepped up and did it. Yeah. Like, you can, you know, it, we talked about it a little with John Daly. You know, if it, even if it's a, you know, one, one trick pony and you wouldn't have been found out without this if you're the ninth guy doesn't end up dri- dropping out in the PGA for Daly to step up or the guy doesn't get fired and Phil Jackson doesn't get taken up, get promoted from assistant to head coach, that cream is still going to rise to the top. And if it wasn't there, it's somewhere else. And I think there's a ton of stories in sports that you find that of a guy who didn't get it here, found it there, or, you know, same thing in women's sports. I'm trying to be aware of my pronouns. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was pretty incredible to see, and there's a lot of other awesome 
moments from the first one. It was definitely shown as a setup, and it would have been cool to f- to find out if it would have been one per night in the original layout of this because originally it was supposed to be every other night during the finals. Mm-hmm. Which how funny would it have been? And we have a, a question about LeBron coming up, but if it's LeBron with the Lakers trying to be like, I can do it here. I can do it with a big, you know, with a big time team in a big time city. And then just Jordan doing it for the sixth time and showing yeah. every other night. Um, but yeah, the between the intros at the beginning where they show Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, 83 to 90, or 84 to 98, Scottie Pippen, Bulls from this to that, then it's Robin. So. Yeah. It was just great. And then they show different media clips. It was just, it was pretty outstanding. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. But is that, is that it from one or is there any, is, was Paris in one or two? Like both. His childhood's actually more in two. It's all very mixed together. Yeah, it is very mixed together. So we might as well jump into it. Yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention the, the mid eighties bulls were referred to, um, Benny the bull currently's great, great grand bull. As we found out from his Twitter account. <laughs> I saw that. Um, we found they were referred to as the traveling cocaine circus and how I did think this was really interesting. Michael Jordan goes like, yeah, I didn't drink back then. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And a lot of things that Michael Jordan's known for is like the stories, like he pounds a bunch of beer while playing golf and ends up going, going out, putting up 45 points or how much he loves to gamble. You know, I don't think he ever had any sort of, you know, he points out weed, blow, girls. I don't think any of those he's ever been associated with, but gambling and alcohol are certainly two that I think I think can be associated to Michael Jordan. Yeah, he says like I don't do drugs. I didn't I don't do that. I didn't drink at the time. Yeah. So like I think he was kind of saying yeah, like, he has I a, drink now, but I've never a, really into He has drugs. a rocks glass that's probably two thirds oh, full time. of scotch. Yeah, the guy is... And, like, a cigar on the thing. Like, yeah, it's well, like yeah, he power was, move. I mean, how many different pictures are there of Michael Jordan smoking cigars? Cigars very, very frequently focused throughout the throughout the first two episodes. Phil, I feel like every other picture of him has, has a cigar in his mouth. Mm, I um, Yeah. Um, but, yeah, episode two dives a little more in. You mentioned it a little more into his into his child childhood. Um, but really dives into Scotty and where he came from. And a lot of it reminded me, not as tumultuous as Dennis Rodman's childhood, but a lot of it reminded me of, yeah. of Rodman's of Rodman's life, of you know, just kind of a different a different shade because Rodman's family was fully intact, but very kind of sad of injuries. His dad had a you stroke. Mean Scotty's family was in yes, it's Scotty's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His dad had a stroke. His brother got hurt. His like, brother like fell and hit his head. What was it? At yeah. School and so he, two of his family members were in wheelchairs. wheelchairs. They had like eight kids or something. So I can't imagine there was a ton of room in their house for safely and effectively maneuver wheelchairs around their home. Yeah. Um, but he really seemed to like have a tight knit family, and you know he had. Um, was his his mom was shown on it, and mm-hmm. he said that you know when he got paid, like there there's a lot of talk over his salary and things, but he was like, I still took care of my mom. So oh, yeah. I think I think it was maybe a poor upbringing, a non like economically fruitful upbringing, but I think it was a happy upbringing. Oh yeah, he seemed like he had a happy childhood, and I don't. And aside from the salary stuff that it really dives into, I don't think. He had much else that he was upset about. Yeah. He ends up also going to Anaya School. It goes to Central Arkansas. Um, and just He was like the Rodman. equipment manager. And yeah. a bunch of people on the team had, like, scholarly infractions, so they didn't get their scholarships. And he went to the coach and be, was like, hey, can I get one of those? And that's how he started. Yeah, I mean, shoot, shoot, you know? Yeah. And he ends up doing it. Um, I think he grew, too, so. Yeah, that's... They all grow. Yeah, they all they all grow. Um but yeah, Pippen ends up, you know, he ends up get, originally getting drafted by the Supersonics, and the Bulls talk about how, and this is a, a Jerry Krause move, says we need to get back into this thing because they, you know, made the playoffs and they show Jordan's, you know, hello world moments in the playoffs of against the, the '86 Celtics, mm-hmm. the '45 to '63, and this is in I believe '87 draft is is Pippen. But, um, yeah, uh, but Emily's looking it up now, which is why I said, yeah, but 
they show the Bulls getting up there, and even as he's getting interviewed, this is something that you see all the time now, more in the NBA draft, not as much in the NFL. Drafts, uh, trade traded players usually happen uh, pre-pick, but post-pick, someone picking for them, and then a trade ends up happening. Yeah. Matisse Thibel, perfect example, drafted by the Celtics, traded to the Sixers afterwards. Um, Dario. Dario. Oh, great. Emily from from three! <laughs> But they show Pippen in his career. He comes in with this. He goes from this timid kid who's an equipment manager playing an Anaya team to I'm going to beat Michael Jordan. He yeah. says that to Oakley. And Oakley kind of Oakley shows him the ropes of being like, all right, man, this is how you be a pro. This is what you end up doing and all this stuff. And this one was a little was a little nicer at parts to Krauss because they talk about Krauss moving Charles Oakley. Yeah, and he really was like, okay, Michael's a star. We've got to build a team around him. Yeah. And sometimes that's something I wish the Sixers would do. <laughs> Just build a team around them that works. Yeah, you know, I mean, I wish so too. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they, yeah, they tr- they trade Oakley and they, they show a little more of the evolution of this team with Pippen there. And then the real crux of the episode comes in Scottie Pippen's seven-year, $18 million contract that he ends up getting. Um, and it was signed... Basically, the background behind it was that he, he kind of a shitty rookie deal because it wasn't really that that um, unified or uniform in terms of how rookie deals were made. So the Bulls tried to re-up him early. He ends up signing this deal. And, you know, again, this is kind of a shitty Reinsdorf take of, like, I told him, and I said to Michael, don't sign it. I'm not going to say another word. Like, acting like he's your dad. And being like, like, I'm not going to change it. If you decide you don't like it later, don't come to me. Like, Which was pointed out uh, on a couple different, in a couple different areas of, like, teams were restructuring deals then. And to say, like, oh, we're not going to restructure it around you is kind of bullshit. Um, And it came off really, like, very, very, eh, like, buddy, really? Like... Uh, but at the same time, Phil Jackson's referring to him as the second best player in the NBA, which I think in the mid-90s, there's a lot of arguments you could have made about a number of different players that are floating around there and also floating around Springfield, Massachusetts, uh, forever enshrined up there. But, you know, he ends up being, it's what, 122nd highest paid player in the NBA by the time the 96-97 season ends. And Scotty's getting real fed up. And he's the one that's really openly shitting on Kraus and said that he he would openly berate. berate him on the bus and all this stuff. And, that, and that's really where the, the meat of the episode comes into. Well, not only that, he also got surgery just right at the start of the season instead of at the end of the last season. Yeah. He was like, I'll rehab in the beginning of the season. Like, I'm not getting paid. I'm not wasting my summer rehabbing. Yeah. Um, it was a quote, I think, uh, it was pointed out on part of my take, but I think it was Shaq who said I got hurt and hurt on company time, so I'm going to heal up on company time. Like, there's that, and there's also the fact he did want to stick it to him. Mm-hmm. And Steve Kerr's come out since then and being like, we knew we wanted to do this, and we supported him. Um, someone tried to take it on an anti-MJ thing in one of the Facebook groups I'm in of saying, or the Facebook company groups oh, yeah. that uh, that I'm in. That said, like, I thought Scotty was a little selfish. And they showed that that graphic of him being 122nd and, like, trying to shit on MJ that way. Like, he was saying that in a good way. And he almost, right away, Michael Jordan, after saying I thought he was selfish, but I supported him on it. Like, yeah, MJ, like, he wanted his, his guy to do it. But all Michael Jordan ever wanted to do was win and have everything figured out. And I think it's really, really capped off on Michael Jordan's attitude to winning Mm -hmm. when they talk about in this, you know, circling back to the 1986 season where MJ's hurt for 66 games. He comes back with a minutes restriction. There's the Reinsdorf quote quote about the pill nine of, or there's the the headache pills. Nine nine of them are going to fix you. One of them's going to kill you. Well, how bad's the fucking headache? Mm -hmm. So they come up with the minutes restriction Jerry Krause is freaking out of this game in Indiana against the Pacers, so they st- they still sit still uh, still sit Jordan, and they win the game. They end up winning the game. Paxson ends up hitting this not a buzzer beater but close to it, 
And the they first also guy, make it always sound like a buzzer beater. Luckily, he had like what well, I guess game winning shot is just the shot that wins the game. But to me, it like denotes buzzer beater. But when they show it, it's like there's ten seconds. Left. That's part of why I thought the shot, the one that Jordan's famous for, which is probably going to be shown in episode three, was one of the ones in the finals from like that I vaguely remember that I yeah. referred to before in ninety six, ninety seven, or ninety eight. It's from nineteen eighty nine. But I think that because you hear, oh, he made all these game winning shots, and you think the one where he's on the scores table, yeah. swoop in his hands. Um, great Ar- Arsenio Hall appearance in, I think, episode one. Um, speaking yeah. of me going, hoo, hoo, hoo. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I did that while we were watching the doc, too. Probably. Maybe. Um, but Michael Jordan's the first one off the bench when Paxson makes this makes this shot and the buzzer goes off for them to make the playoffs. He just wanted to win so badly. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of takes on the internet about, like, oh, Krause, like, knew, like, Oh, you know, getting in the lottery was really important. And back then, only seven teams got into it. Yeah. So it was just, oh, so much more important. And it was pointed out, uh, uh, Bill Simmons pointed it out on his podcast, of back then it was just one in seven shot. Didn't matter where you finished. It was not weighted. Yeah. So it really was that important. But Michael Jordan just wanted to win at all costs. Yeah, he's like, people were saying that, like, the tanking or whatever you want to call it is, like, just... Contrary to, like, his fundamental beliefs of what sports is, which is, like, yeah. to win them. Yeah. And there's even a thing where they say, like, after that game, you know, Jerry Krause was, like, all pissed off and tried to come in the locker room, and they locked him out of the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> they were, like... Yeah, they did that a couple times. They showed it. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Like, there is a... There is a, a discord between... Or a disconnect between where management and where players are. Sometimes... You want this this aspect of, hey, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if we lost. And, you know, I don't think even in, in an aspect of, like, if they were safely in the playoffs, if they would have said, Michael Jordan, you're going to still, pl- you're going to play that, you know, eighth minute in the second half to help us win this basketball game to, you know, if they're locked into the eighth seed or whatever, whatever has, if they could possibly get the seventh seed. I feel like he might have still done it, and maybe I'm thinking that because of, where restrictions have gone and basketball with minutes restrictions, innings limits in baseball or wherever you happen to be with it. If you're going to short shift somebody in hockey or whatever you want to do in football and snap counts, I want to think that Kraus would have done that. But it's definitely portrayed, again, Kraus isn't alive to defend himself on this of like, I would have sat him if we were the number one team in the NBA, which I feel like might have been his might have been his take on it if he's yeah. alive, which then we get to see how much of a bullshitter he really was. But that's where I fell on it. That's fair. Yeah. Can we go back to the whole Scotty sitting out thing for a second? Sure. So I thought this was really interesting because, yeah, they say that the teammates supported him, but and Michael did, but I think, like, a little less than everyone else because he says at one point that it was wrong of him to get a surgery when he did and try to get Jerry to change his contract when he said he wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And he says, like, now I have to start the season without Scotty. So I just think I thought it was interesting for him to be like, it was selfish of him because I have to start the season without Scotty. And then later when we we haven't really talked about it yet, but this can be a segue into it, like, Scotty demands the trade. And then Michael's like, well, now he's being selfish, thinking about himself instead of the team. So I just thought that was, like, interesting. He kind of seems to, like, seesaw between team and I whenever it, like, is beneficial to him. I don't know if you thought of it that way at all. I hadn't noticed it, but pointing it out, yeah, it absolutely is. And it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Michael Jordan's one of those competitive people in the world. He certainly wanted his teammates to win, and it's very clear. But he's also one of the most competitive motherfuckers out there. Yeah. Of... I'm not sure if they'll cover the you know all the different gambling things that he did of paid the attendant to have his bag the first one off the plane and he bet the team of whose bags coming off first <laughs> like he wasn't afraid to he wasn't afraid to cheat you just to get that competitive edge. Wouldn't you like to see was, Michael Jordan play Survivor? That would be incredible. <laughs> I don't think it would happen. No, it I think Cliff Robinson is the peak of professional athlete <laughs> going on to Survivor or no. Je- Cliff Robinson or Jeff Kent, one or the uh, other. Or what's his face, the football guy? Which football guy? Who, Jimmy Johnson? <laughs> yeah. I guess on coaching trees. But, uh, yeah. Scott, the most recognizable. Yeah, um, Cliff Robinson's pretty recognizable. Scott Pollard will tell you it's him because he won an NBA championship True. playing all of 12 minutes for the 2008 Celtics. But, <laughs> um, 
And that was bringing in Survivor to The Last Dance. It's on tonight. It is on tonight. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, to that point of Jordan doing anything is a great, just a great anecdote of Keegan Bradley and Michael Jordan are really good friends. And there was a picture that came out probably five years ago of them playing two-on-two two with somebody. And Keegan ta- Keegan was saying, or it was two, it was two other professional golfers. And it was basically... They're at a resort in Florida shooting around, and all of a sudden people see Michael Jordan shooting a basketball, and they go, well, how about we play, play two-on-two? And Jordan sees all these people there being like, all right. And he, goes, and he says to an attendant, get my shoes. And they played in, played in golf clothes, and Keegan refers to him as his human ATM. Because Keegan Bradley, a professional golfer, would say would play golf with Michael Jordan and say, how many strokes am I giving you? Am I getting you a 10? You're giving me four. Like, because he's that competitive. He's that, like, that's just where his mind is going back to the, I cannot ever purposefully lose a basketball game. I can't lose a game of, I was about to say Monopoly, but Monopoly is a competitive game. I can't lose a game of Candyland to my kids. You know? Yeah, I wonder if that was hard with them as a dad. Like, yeah, I, I, he who probably, knows? Maybe he would just be like, I won't play games with them. It's Pro- not good maybe for not. them. <laughs> maybe not. You have to play the games with but them. But anyway, um, yeah, To but that's a really good point of bringing that up. Because I, I didn't really, I didn't think anything of it in, in hearing it. I was kind of, this is what I've always thought of Michael Jordan. Yeah. this competitive motherfucker. Um, but, yeah, he just, that whole, the for, those two hours were mesmerizing to me. It's almost, it's, we're like halfway to Sunday. I know, we are at the halfway point. Um, we can't get into the into the habit of doing these on Wednesdays, just because Wednesdays, A, are Survivor Nights, and B, or flip that, A, or every other Wednesday is a big work day for me. This happens to be the other Wednesday that it's not. But B, also Survivor. But um, yeah, back to the, to the docs. Where are we at now? So, um, Scotty's really unhappy with his current contract situation, and he doesn't feel like he's getting respect and he's heard that his name's on the trade block and he's just fed up with it. So he says he's not playing another game in a Chicago Bulls uniform. Yeah. Yeah. So he gets, he gets really fed up with all of this and they point out and it, and they don't even really get to the full aspect of how often that Jerry Krause tried to trade Scottie Pippen, Yeah, but he tried to trade him a ton. And I mentioned it, Tried to trade him a week after they won their fifth straight title. And he wasn't shy about saying it. He'd be like, yeah, we've received a lot of offers, and some of them are good. Like, he, like, wasn't, like, saying, like downplaying it or pretending that this was just, like, stuff the media had made up. He's like, yeah, I know. We're trying. Like, and this was before the trade demand. Like, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And he, and, well, then, then they try to ask Kraus about, like, hey, did you try to trade him? He's like, yeah, there were offers out there, but none were good enough. So it was very... Trying to have it every rich way that you want to. So you can say what you will about like when players demand trades and they sit out and, you know, his strategic timing of getting his foot healed yeah. and all this stuff. But, like, it wasn't like that the Bulls' management was without fault. Yeah, no. And that's kind of where episode two ends is with, like, Scotty demanding a trade. Um, they they go 0-4 on the road to start. Yeah. And it's not until... Jordan goes off and scores 55 points and I think double overtime against the Clippers who were against like the terrible. shitty Clippers yeah like this is this is during the the real drought time of the Clippers yeah pre David Stern vetoing a trade to the Lakers for Chris Paul and then Chris Paul ends up going to the Clippers and Lob City was born um yeah this is this is like really bad yeah. That's where the whole Will Ferrell in the Bewi- the weird Bewitched movie has the, guess what, I'm a witch. Guess what, I'm a Clippers fan. Like, they thought that was funny. That's where that joke comes I've from. I've never seen that. Um, I never saw the movie, but I just know, I know it from, it was in the trailers, mm. and then Family Guy made fun of it, so that's how I know about it. Oh. I was like 14 when that movie came out. But anyway, yeah, that's the first two episodes. Yeah, Did think- we miss anything? Um, Not really. No, I think we covered it pretty well. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, do you want to do fan questions first, or want to do that after we do theories? Um, we can do theories first and finish with okay. fan questions. So we know that episode three is going to cover Rodman. Mm-hmm. So what else do you think is going to be shown in it? Um, 
I think we'll probably get like a more Phil Jackson focused episode. Do you think it's three or do you think that's episode four? I think that'll be like a four. Four or five. Yeah. Do you think we get a Steve Kerr episode? Do you think he kind of gets thrown in with the other guys? I think he gets thrown in with the other guys. Okay. Um. I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they... I don't know that necessarily every episode is going to have a theme like the Scotty, like the Rodman. Because at a certain point, I think it's going to shift more towards like the actual season towards, like, doing these, like, flashback instances. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think we're going to have an episode, which I think maybe, like, six or seven is this, that's just a whole, the whole thing is almost like June 20, June 24th, or June 22nd, 1994, that's basically like you're watching TV interluded with maybe some interviews that 30 for 30 does not have any, but where it's just highlights and behind the scenes stuff, and then they like they have Steve Kirby like, yeah, that game in Philly in January, we, uh, you know, we all went to Pat's and that was a great time, or you know, we went to Boston and and you know we all, you know, hung out at a Bruins game the night before and blah blah blah. Like, do you think that's an episode that we have? I don't know. Yeah, I hope they show, and I'm sure they will. All the the stuff about MJ and Atlantic City and all the different the, all the different stuff that surrounded that. Um, I'm sure we'll get a a decent part since they're going so in depth of going through the past and into the future of the baseball period, which that week we'll probably also have to do. Jordan rides the bus. Yeah. See, that's my question: is I don't really know how much of that kind of stuff they're getting into since like the main focus of this is supposed to be that season. Yeah. You know, like I don't think we're getting a whole episode on it. I don't. Yeah, it's probably, I don't know, because like, it's kind of weird to say the yada yada it. At this point, we've gone through 86 in terms, we went through 84, 85, 86, I guess technically 82 and 83, and are we going to get 89, 90 in episode 3, and then 4 is 91, 2 is 95, uh, I'm losing myself in the numbers, but you know what I mean, of like, in-depth focuses of like the first couple championships, and or uh, yeah, I've started throwing around the different numbers. Mm. But you get what I mean. Of like championship one is this, championship two, baseball, or championship three, baseball, four, five, and now we're culminating this, or, or how does it go? Maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll be pretty interesting. Did you know Michael Jordan played his last NBA game in Philadelphia? I did not know that. That's Should fun. have saved it for fun facts. Yeah. That's okay. I can't. I don't think Well, I'll we have, I mean, we, we covered a lot of fun facts throughout. Um, all right, we'll end with two fan questions. Uh, thank you to everybody who submitted some. Uh, I submitted. I put this up late, so I'm sure we'll probably get some more after the fact that we recorded it. But uh, Tommy, who was a star in the NFL Draft podcast, asks, <clears throat> how long until they bring up LeBron slash interview LeBron? And will that be good for the series? And then commented, LeBron is the GOAT, by the way. Hard to disagree on that. Um... I think the only way that they'll bring up LeBron is if, like, in the last ten minutes of the documentary, they have, like, a portion about his legacy and, like, have a bunch of NBA players talk about what Jordan, like, meant to their career. I know that, like, since then, I don't know if it's, like, one of those, like, leg- like little things they've been putting in the commercials, but there was, like, a Dwayne Wade one saying that, like, Michael Jordan is what made him want to be an NBA basketball player as someone from Chicago, so, like... If they do something like that, but I don't think there's going to be, like, any real focus on LeBron at all. Partially because I think that Jordan doesn't even see himself as, like, I think Jordan thinks he's so much better than LeBron that that's not, like, a comparison that he even, like, entertains. Yeah, I... And, like, he got final say on all this stuff. Yeah, so from... I mentioned Bill Simmons a couple times. I've listened to a a few of his podcasts from the last couple weeks... Because he's the Ringer's covering a lot of this, so it's it's a good supplement to watching it and doing our own research. But he also had a friend of his from when he was at ESPN, Mike Tollin, mm-hmm. who is the producer of the, of this whole series, um, talk about it and kind of the background of how this all got made with Jordan's people and how they wanted to do it and when they thought they could get this all out. And um, it's either with him or after or in the episode right before the Bill Simmons podcast episode right before these drop 
or the one from this past Sunday after they dropped where he and Rosillo just react to it. Um, that he mentions Bill has seen him, Tolan's shown him, uh, but episode 10 is still being cut and edited currently, especially in today's current climate. Um, but LeBron's not really featured in it. He might be in one of those Dwayne Wade-type shout-outs that ESPN just shows. Mm-hmm. I would think that's how he gets included, unless he is in 10. Um, but from as far as I know, he is not in it. Yeah. But... It'll be interesting. Um, I know that it co- it kind of coincidentally came around the same time as LeBron completing the 3-1 comeback. Apparently it was in talks from that All-Star game in Toronto. So there is there is some interesting ties to LeBron's legacy to when this gets made. But I, I think it's just more coincidental than it is, all right, let's go. After LeBron won his his ring in Cleveland, I think uh, it was like Jordan was like sick of people comparing them, and he was like, "Okay, show them, show them why like I'm the best." Well, that's one thing that you hear so from a lot of people that are of that age. You know, it makes me sound like I'm now of the in the generation argument, but like the, Bill Simmons thinks that we've never seen Jordan. And granted, I saw the tail end of it. You saw the tail end of it. My sisters barely saw. Lucy was a was. Barely alive, my youngest mm. sister, when Michael Jordan won his last ring. Mimi was five, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see how how people react to seeing all of this. Because going back to those UNC highlights, seeing some of the plays he he made of where he's coming down from leaping forward or leaping sideways and just twisting his wrist and releasing it almost from his shoulder, just the plays that he was able to make is incredible to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is not, uh, we don't want to incite the, the MJ LeBron argument currently, although we are both on the, uh, the same side of the ball there. But the second question we get is from our good buddy, Bill, who wants to know which film and en- will end up coming up on top, the last dance or center stage, <laughs> which I Googled and is a dancing movie and you've seen it before. Yeah. You had to Google it. Yeah, I've never heard of Center Stage. You've never heard of Center Stage? No. Tell me about Center Stage. I've only seen it a few times. It's You made it sound like you've watched this movie a billion times because of your friend. Well, no. My friend did like it a lot. We would watch it when we were, like, in high school. It's okay. It's a 2000. It's a movie from 2000. Is it pre-Bring It On? Um, Bring It On. Like, I feel like that's what sent, like... It's like the same Cheerleading, air. dancing it's, it's, to it's that, It's a ballet like, movie. It's not, like... It's not like Save the Last Dance. It's a dance. It's a ballet movie. Yeah. Have you okay. seen Save the Last? Dance? I have seen Save the Last Dance. I prefer Save the Last Dance, but yeah. apparently it doesn't hold up. Really? I haven't seen it recently. Bring It On is also a two thousand movie. So. Yeah, I knew Bring It On was like late nineties, early two thousands. It was very. That was when I was cheerleading, so it was very popular. Oh, oh man. But yeah. Never got cut from a sports team. Was a cheerleader. <laughs> skipped a grade. Went to school with Elena Deladon, sorority hit... sister with a with a Miss Delaware. I mean, I didn't know you hit the jackpot. When I you really did, to didn't me. I? Damn. Oh man. Well, anyway, I think that's a good sign to wrap this thing. up. I have two more things. Oh, okay, all right. One, I want to tell you my favorite part of the documentary. Oh yeah, that's right. You and did two, want to tell I this. want you to talk about that funny tweet. Which funny tweet? The one I sent you about Pat Riley. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my favorite part of the documentary was when they were talking about Michael Jordan, and I keep almost saying Michael Jackson, by the way. Um, it's funny. If you still search Michael J., Jackson appears first on Google. That's not surprising. I feel like Google might do... Uh, maybe uh, maybe I'm just that um, But his mom, they... His mom has a letter that he wrote her when he was in college, and it's like... Dear Mom, I, lo- I hope everyone's doing well. Like, I'm praying for everyone's good health. I'm sending you my account number because I only have $20. And then it's like, love, Michael. P.S. Sorry about the phone bill, and can you please send stamps? <laughs> Which is funny. just, like, just such a college kid letter. If college kids still wrote letters, it's always like, can you please send me money? Um. So I thought that was really funny. All right, I'm trying to find this tweet you sent me. I texted it to you. Is it the is it the Phil looks like he don't or Pat Riley looks like he'd have a share in? Yeah. Yeah, it's basically Pat Riley. It's a Tiger King reference going full 2020. Yeah. Of 
Pat Riley looks like he could have some serious stake in it in a tiger farm. Yeah, and he's just like sitting in like Miami with like a shirt like unbuttoned, like five buttons, like all white outfit. Full, the whole Pat Riley, really. Do you know that Pat Riley retired Michael Jordan's number for the Heat just because he respected his career? I did not. Michael Jordan never played a minute for the Miami Heat, Good. but it's retired. Which, since we're on the subject, it always has annoyed me, and I've said this before, that LeBron, in his final year with the Cavaliers in the first stint, said nobody should ever wear 23 again and looks up at the retired number in Miami. This is a Dwayne Wade versus LeBron game. So he goes to Miami, wears six because 23 is retired. Goes back to Cleveland and wears 23. What the crap, LeBron? Anyway, that's uh, no more LeBron talk. Emily, anything else? Nope, that's everything. All right. Well, we will be back. Episodes three and four drop Sunday night. So we will be talking about that fairly soon. Maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday. Part of it, Emily's in her finals week, so everybody wish her good luck on Twitter. Third and girl <laughs> underscores on both sides of the and. Um, but we also recorded the draft preview on Monday. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out. Matt and I are going to do a, a draft recap. If you have not listened to it and didn't hear that that tease there, we are going to do it. We're going to pick our all-draft team. should be a lot of fun. Um, there's some other ideas that are thrown out there. Another real sports outside of the last dance that we want to do throughout this run. But let us know. Join the conversation. Join the Facebook group. Search the Bullpen Card Podcast and join it. Um, follow us. Follow the Thunderblog on Twitter, ThunderBLG. I'm Jordo9. Thunderblog Sports on Instagram. Jordo9 on Instagram. That's where I mainly post my question feeds. Um, Emily is EE Anderson1228. Well, that'll do it, Em. Thank you so much for doing this. No problem. Let's eat dinner. <laughs> yeah, let's go eat dinner. I gotta make it first. And then go watch Survivor. But for everybody out there, have a great weekend. Go Birds, go Sixers, go NJ.